Divorce is Not an Option podcast, Stephen James Dixon. Again, two weeks in a row, weren't able to record. Had a bit of a family emergency, so uh, that's why I'm not able to record these last two weeks. And next week will be Thanksgiving. May or may not record, depending on what the family's doing. Um, but I always got data and context and words of wisdom and advice and romantic relationship conversation about love sex dating marriage divorce everything you need to know about relationships and how to have how to be successful so again doing more chapters from the men don't heal we hold book for our podcast this week this week we have the chapters let me pull them up so y'all know what y'all listening to this week this week we will be listening to and if you didn't hear last week i i gave the first three chapters of my audiobook for Men Don't Heal We Ho. Chapters number one, let me tell you about me. Chapter number two, don't tell me how to get it. Chapter three, I learned how to cry. This week, chapter four, the divorce decision. So will be great for my divorce listeners and my folks who are in marriages that are struggling. Um, chapter number five, New Day, New City, really about how to get over divorce. And then chapter six, the I'ma do me, you do you chapter. And so uh, enjoy. Um, definitely tell a friend to tell a friend. Um, keep listening. Keep looking for more podcasts. We'll we'll get through this holiday season for sure and uh, start getting more creative new content. Um, make sure you're subscribing and following on iTunes and Google Play and YouTube and Spreaker. Um, post to your friends, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. Follow me on all of those, uh, Stephen James Dixon on Facebook, Stephen J. Dixon on Twitter and Instagram. Um, Tamara will give her information next time she's on here. Um, happy holidays, if I don't get a chance to talk to you guys. Stephen James Dixon, Divorce is Not an Option podcast, episode 5. Chapter 4, The Divorce Decision. I continue to write about my emotions and my experiences, even as counseling wears on me week after week. I am as honest as I can be. I tell Dr. Collins and Denise how I feel. Denise and I have separate counseling sessions with Dr. Collins on Tuesday, and then we come together for a joint counseling session on Thursday. One Thursday, Dr. Collins turns to Denise and says, James gives you everything, and he's not getting enough in return. I am stunned. Denise is in shock as well. The counselor goes on. Denise, if you don't want to be married, you should say that to James. A marriage is work and you're not putting any effort into your marriage i can't believe she said that it is the truth the truth hurts denise and it vindicates me i've thought for a long time that denise hasn't been putting forth the effort to save our marriage but it's not something i could say and now to hear dr collins saying this it sets me free it's what i want denise to know and acknowledge i am a good husband it's what i felt for a long time i felt cheated in this relationship i've been doing all the work i'm the one trying while i'm working on our marriage denise is off working on medical school i come second i'm the one compromised I'm the one pleading and praying. I'm the banker, the mechanic, the maid, the dry cleaner, the investor, the part-time cook. I'm the only one loving and putting love first. I'm giving every ounce of me all I have. Loving Denise without limits. Loving her so hard, it nearly drives me insane. I love her so much because I just cannot believe that my love is not enough. I couldn't eat. I couldn't sleep. I could barely function. Initially, I couldn't talk. I couldn't talk because I was trying to man up and take the blame. But I didn't know what I was taking the blame for. I didn't know what to do, so I cried. 
I sacrificed so much of me for her, for us. I lost me in us. I had no choice. My only alternative was to shut up and be unhappy. It's like that when only one person is carrying all the weight of the relationship. This revelation relayed by the counselors to be the beginning of the rebuilding of our marriage. Denise accepts the counselor's statement. She agrees that she hasn't been holding up her end of the bargain. She says she hasn't been a good wife and she knows it. So she wants to work things out. For me, working it out is pretty simple. Even after all this time, if we just had sex, the rest of our problems would work themselves out. The next day, Denise asked me to dinner. I suggest that she comes over to the house and I cook something for her. She agrees and sounds excited. I leave work, fuck that job. I'm trying to get my wife back. I stop by the flower shop, pick up two dozen long stiff roses, stop at Victoria's Secret, get those new sexy drawers, get that smell good, pick up some items for myself at the polo outlet, hit the grocery store. Brisket is her favorite. Baked potato, lemon pepper, broccoli. My own special recipe, lemon and pepper. I clean the whole house from top to bottom. Get the house smelling good. Almost there. Almost set three fires trying to light candles by 7 p.m i was showered and shaved eight o'clock comes and goes no denise this is supposed to be the biggest date of my life but no date is here i look around nine o'clock 9 30 the phone rings she's sorry she's running late 30 minutes she'll be here she promises at 10 30 she's still not here but she calls and says that she's really on her way i say to her i know you're tired maybe we could try again tomorrow tomorrow doesn't work for her i shrug it off well how about next week sometime whenever you call me i wake up in the middle of the night crying my last cry I dream that she will never be mine again. I dream that I've lost her to the world, to her career, to her dreams. I dream about a conversation that we already had, but I overlooked. She once told me that being a doctor defined her. She had wanted to be a doctor since she was a young girl. She wanted to help people, discover new medicines, new treatments, new therapies. I only wanted a family. I dream that she would never be married to me again. She's married to her career. She loves me. I believe that, but her career defines her. I can't compete with that, nor should I. I want her, I want my marriage, and I want a family. She wants me, but she's always wanted to be a doctor i don't want her to have to choose so i choose i tell her that i'm giving up on us your wedding day is the brightest day of your life the day you sign your divorce papers is the darkest you wake up one afternoon after not sleeping and everything is a blur until the time to sign the papers i remember that day like it was yesterday denise gets the papers first so she signs them and drops them off to me i just sit in the car and look at them for the first four hours every single day of our lives flashes before my eyes why did she sign the papers i had hoped that she wouldn't sign i hoped that she'd call me and beg me to take her back but she doesn't she signs she agrees she's ready to divorce me it's up to me now i can sign i can agree i can divorce her too but i love her am i doing the right thing is this what god has for us have i prayed over this long enough have i tried as hard as i can have i given everything that i have is this the best that i can do is it possible for me to ever regret signing these divorce papers can it really be over five years together two years married even after so much thought and so much discussion i still have questions why did not marriage work we were going to have kids we were supposed to spend the rest of our lives together we are perfect on paper the way we met was so unique she didn't even like me at first i used to have so much in common with her now nothing she loves me i love her we can save our marriage i think about us together the good times how things used to be then i think about us apart we've grown apart she's different i'm different i signed the papers realizing a relationship is over can be a devastating thing for me it was devastating to realize that all my dreams that i had for us would never happen if you're fighting for a relationship but it still seems like is not going to work you must ask yourself some key questions the answers to these questions can help you determine what your next step should be consider these 10 gut check questions number one what do i want out of this relationship number two does my partner want the same thing number three have i done all that i can do to save this relationship if not why not number four if i've not done all i can do to save my marriage am i willing to do more if so what number five is my mate open to reconciliation number six what do my mate's actions show me number seven what do my actions show 
my mate? Number eight, am I being unreasonable in my expectations? Number nine, is my mate being unreasonable in his or her expectations? And number 10, why are we having these problems? Do I honestly see that these problems can be fixed? Why or why not? Chapter 5. New Day, New City, New Life. Divorce rips a person's soul out. My divorce isn't even final yet, but I'm already headed out of town to start a new life, far, far away from the devastation of my old life. In fact, as far as I'm concerned, Denise can have the whole East Coast. I'm gone. I don't want to bump in her out with some other guy. I don't want to see her ever again. I am 25 years old, and I'm trying to forget the last five years of my life. I try to remove all connections to Denise. I offer to buy back the ring at full price, but she wants to keep it. On top of that, she's going to keep my last name. If you split with me, you don't get to keep my last name. That's what I feel like screaming, but I don't. As I tie up loose ends at work, my co-workers think my sour mood is because I don't want to leave them, as if I care about this fucking job. James, if you're so disappointed and upset about leaving, why don't you just stay here with us? My co-worker Sharon says, I mean, don't accept the new position. In four weeks, my divorce will be final. In five weeks, I'll turn 26 years old. By midnight tonight, I will be in bed with some new woman in Dallas. Dallas is in trouble. Warn your homegirls, your family, your friends. Your mamas are not safe. I will hit an old school mama with a fat ass with the quickness. A man that is hurt, depressed, confused, frustrated, and pissed the fuck off at all women just relocated to your area. I solemnly swear to never love shit else so long as I live. That is my declaration. I will be a pimp. I will have a gang of hoes. No, I'm not going to pimp hoes. That's prostitution. I ain't taking money for it. That ain't right. But I'm going to be pimping and I'm going to have a gang of hoes. All the hoes will be for me. My hoes, mine, mine, mine. As I show you this part of my story, it's easy to see my anger and resentment. Looking back on that time, I can clearly see that I was a man in pain. My choice for dealing with my pain was to see how much pain I can inflict on those around me, namely women. I took on a cavalier attitude where I did not care about anyone but myself. It is easy for all of us to think that learning happens in one go-round. We think we can go through a certain experience and then suddenly we are wise. We know everything. That's usually not how it happens. 
For me, it took several years of experience, both good experience and bad experience, to form a clear understanding of relationships. Even as I decided to free my wife from having to choose between her career and me, I was not as mature in my thinking as I am today. Because even though I signed those divorce papers and decided that part of my life was closed, I still had plenty of learning to do. My move to Dallas marked a tough phase in my life for me. Outwardly, all was well with me. I was working a new job, meeting new people, and dating. Well, having sex, whenever I wanted to. Meanwhile, inside, I was full of anger and resentment. I tell you this because it's important to realize that a good man doesn't just pop up one day. He's created by his experiences. And even men today who seem as if they're bad can still turn out to be good husbands one day. Just because a man starts out one day doesn't mean he will stay that way. But before we get to talking about good men, let me continue my Dallas story. As I'm driving down the highway to Dallas, I check my cell phone. But there are no messages from Denise. She hasn't tried to stop me from leaving. She apparently doesn't care. She never loved me. I cry at a rest stop. I reflect on a conversation that we had before I left. I didn't want a divorce. I told her that. But I wanted to be separate for a while and date other people. I just felt like maybe we could still work it out some way, somehow, later on down the line. I loved her too much to think that we could never fix this. We would have fixed it one day. I believed that. Am I crazy? Was I tripping? Before I signed the papers, I told Denise that I would come back to D.C. once a month and we would try to work this thing out. No pressure. I would stay with a homeboy. She could see other people, too. I felt like I've been alone for the past two years and I had a wife. So I'm just not up for sitting here at home praying. I'm keeping it real. Been there doing that. I just figure if we take a break, absence of the heart, you know, if you love someone, all that stuff, right? I still am and I will always be in love with Denise. I don't know what my life will be like without her. I just don't have the energy or the patience to make any more sacrifices for this marriage. If we're going to work it out, it has to be on my terms. It's been about her since we got married. Denise said, no way. She said, if I wanted to work things out, I had to stay in D.C. and I could not see other people. So I'm moving to Dallas, right? And I've always liked Dallas. I wanted to live in Dallas initially, but the wife got the full ride at medical school at Georgetown, so we had to move to D.C. Dallas is a great city. I chose Dallas because it's not too big, not too small, beautiful, bouted women. I met three ladies while I was there in Dallas visiting, interviewing for jobs. One of the women I met, I kind of hit it off with. So when I get to Dallas, I'm going to hit her. Oh, wait, that didn't come out right. Uh, We're going to do the nasty. I arrive in Dallas at about 9.30 p.m. By 11, I've already twice enjoyed the pleasures of native Dallas woman. She will remain nameless, but I will refer to her as the starter kit. I had not even unpacked the car, and Big Worm was already making himself right at home in the starter kit's juice box. Everybody needs a new friend when they arrive in town. The starter kit would feed me, fuck me, and try to make me her man. This is the credo of the starter kit. The starter kid awaits on the outskirts of the city, catches the new man coming into town, locks him down before anybody else can grab him. I doubt that any starter kid has ever been successful with this plan, and they're definitely not about to start with me. What is it with women who try to make the new guy their man? The new guy is trying to see as many new girls as possible. Ladies, never date the new guy at work or the new guy to the city or the new guy with the new money because everything is new to him, and soon you won't be. Soon you'll be old. Do I really have to tell every woman that I meet that I'm about to get a divorce? I'm confusing myself because I'm supposed to be having no strings attached sex. Instead, I keep meeting great women who are seeking a full-time man. I'm not even trying to be nobody's part-time man. Shoot, I can't even commit to the night. I mess around and meet somebody on the way to your crib and and it just be a canceled date. I mean, I can't commit. All I want to do is smash, 
sleep, smash me another one, and sleep. Then once I start getting dressed, oh girl like, where you going? I turn to cuss her ass out, but then I pause. Oh damn, she think, the starter kid thinks she done snuck a relationship on me. All I did is answer her calls, and now we together, right? Yeah, I've been over here four days in a row, but it's not like I get mail here. I ain't cut the grass or made a picture of Kool-Aid. I just come over here, smash and bounce. Sometimes I smash, smash and bounce, but that's about it. I'm used to having a woman around me all day, every day. So when I meet a new woman that I like, I tend to give her too much attention. I give her what she wants, attention, so she gives me what I want, sex, which makes her think that we are together. But we're not. I'm about to check out. Look, Stacy, I've only been in Dallas for two weeks. I know we've been hanging out every day, but I don't think I need a relationship right now. My divorce is not even final. I like you, but I think we're moving too fast. I'm moving in the opposite direction, actually. Slow down. Let's take it one day at a time. A woman who wants a man will listen to and accept damn near anything. In the case above, Stacy just said okay, and that was that. A man who wants multiple women will say damn near anything. A man will always do whatever he can, whenever he can, and get away with all he can. All a woman has to do is leave. And if her shit is tight, the man will come back and find her. Or if her shit is tight, another man will find her. Who knows? Maybe if you leave, that man that you was talking to will come back, calling, begging, pleading, lying, and crying. Women have to realize that a vast majority of men don't know what they want or need out of relationships or a woman. The first problem is that until the age of about 25, men think that all they need out of a woman is sex. Men can't even begin to outline what a good woman is until they first become a good man or when they turn 35. 35 usually happens first, so that's the problem with most relationships. There are married men who still don't know how to be a man, let alone a husband. There are married men that still don't know what they want out of a woman, let alone a wife. There are married women who want what they thought their mama had. Key word here is being thought. Mamas, y'all need to stop lying to y'all daughters. The man least qualified for a relationship is the man with a broken heart. An emotionally unstable man is a ticking time bomb ready to explode. Men can't handle emotions. We don't even understand emotions. Men are emotionally unstable. We don't even want to understand emotions. If we understood why a woman was crying, then we would probably cry with our woman. But we don't understand why. Instead, we just back up and say, hey, wait, I told you I didn't want a relationship. You knew I was seeing other people. Why is this such a surprise to you? One time a marriage counselor and the counselor asked me the exact same question five times. I never answered the question correctly. She wanted me to answer the question from my heart and not my mind. She didn't want me to think about how I was feeling. She wanted me to tell her how I was feeling. I didn't have the answer to that question. I thought I answered the question each time correctly and thought the counselor was tripping. Each of the five times she asked me the question, I answered the question differently. James, how are you feeling? You know, it is what it is. What is it? How I feel. No. How do you feel? I'm cool. Cool as in what? As in, uh, you know, chilling. No. How do you feel? I'm a little tired. I, I mean, I didn't sleep well. No. How do you feel? Look, I feel like it's a good thing, you know, us coming here to counseling and whatnot. No. No. How do you feel? You have to look inside the inner you to find the answer to how you really feel. I was like, um, who is that? The inner me? She said that I have to know how I feel before I can start the healing process. She said I needed to heal. I said, if we have sex, I will be magically healed. Talk to her about sex, Doc. James, you are obviously hurting. Your outpouring of emotion has been significant. Why can't we have sex? Because. 
you both individually need to heal before you become sexual partners again. With all due respect, counselor, if we are having sex, I am good. Women have to be emotionally stable before they can be intimate. Denise needs to heal first. Then you two may be able to save this marriage and slowly start becoming more intimate again. At this point, I'm confused. I gave up. I was not familiar with this so-called healing process. Was this some kind of Hindu Greek mythology? Was this a new technique in counseling? What did I have to do? Do we have to sacrifice an animal or something? If we had sex, I would be fine. Denise was lucky that she got me trapped up in these nuptials. I ain't never in life had this many problems trying to get my woman to suck big worm. Denise used to suck big worm like her life depended on it. Like it's, like like if she stopped sucking, a ticking time bomb would go off and the whole world would blow up. Kaboom! All because she stopped sucking dick. She used to be able to sculpt my big worm out of clay with her eyes blindfolded in 30 seconds flat. Bam! Yep, those were the good old days. Now I bet she couldn't identify a big worm in a dick lineup. It could be three dicks in a dick lineup. Big worm, a white dick, and a blue dick. Smurf dick. I can imagine her being startled and confused. She would be there, can I, can I see it up close? Can I hold it? I know I can remember which one's my husband's if I can just touch it, I think. I would poke her ass in the eye. She had no idea what big worm even looked like anymore. After a major breakup, a woman will call her homegirls over and have a pity party. Hell, the homegirls will even cry with her. Everyone is crying together and discussing what went wrong. The woman who's been hurt is getting emotional support from her adoring friends. The hurting woman can just cry on the shoulder of a girlfriend. What can a man do? I wish I would try to cry on the shoulder of a friend of mine. First of all, that's gay. Second of all, that's still gay. A guy crying is gay. A guy crying over a girl is gay. A guy crying on another guy's shoulder makes both guys gay. There's no crying in my macho world. You know what one of my homeboys would say if they caught me crying over a girl? Stop crying over that bitch. Our universal code for handling a friend's bad breakup is introducing him to another woman. We never discuss the breakup. We don't console our friend. Guys don't give guys support. We don't have a sounding board. We never deal with our problems. We hide our pain. Never get over our issue. We bury it. We take that baggage with us into our next relationship and we become more and more emotionally unstable. My five-year relationship crumbled down to I don't want to feel like this ever again. The good times are forgotten. The bad times are reminders of why I will never remarry. The cycle begins. I am now afraid to commit to another woman because of what the last woman did to me. This is the emotional state of a hurting man. If you are involved with a man like this who's just gone through a breakup, watch out. He may offer you his body, but his heart is likely to be tucked away far from the potential of being hurt again. And that could mean that you will end up being hurt. You may think to yourself, <laughs> oh, oh, no, 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 see, not my man. I know he just broke up with his longtime girlfriend or, or just got a divorce, but things are different with me. I'll make him forget all about her. Well, just keep your eyes on the situation. Is he available when you call? Are all of your dates in a hotel room or in bed at your place? Do you ever have conversations that don't lead to sex? Does he share himself emotionally with you? If your answer suggests that this is a man who is emotionally unstable or emotionally unavailable, then chances are that's exactly the case. Chapter 6. The I'ma do me, you do you face. 
It does not matter what you tell a woman that you're dating. They hear what they want to hear. Women can listen to each other, tell each other about where to shop, where to get their hair done, where to get their nails done. The message is delivered once and the receiver gets it. Women can hear clearly when the conversation is about shopping, but ignore the new lover's repeated statements about not wanting a relationship. If I tell you I don't want a relationship, what else could I possibly mean? That I don't want a commitment, right? Never try to make a man commit. Never try to make a man love you. Never try to make a man understand how huge a mistake he's making by leaving you. Obviously, you had some time to show him how good a woman you are. Verbalizing it right now won't make any difference. The best thing to do to get a man is to be a woman. If you don't have his heart and his mind, his body is not yours either. What's more important is that if a man doesn't want you, by the time you get him to want you, you're not going to want him either. For example, Stacy doesn't know how lost I am right now. I'm in a place I've never been before. I am hurt. I am in denial. I am in denial about being hurt. I am denying that I'm in denial about being hurt. I need to take some time to allow my heart to heal. But men don't heal. We hoe. So I'm hoeing. Masking my hurt with this whole bandage. Literally, you got to visualize a woman laying across me as a bandage on a wound. That's that's how you got to. Okay, back, back to what I was saying. I am used to being in love. I've had love for five years and now it's gone. No one loves me. I want to feel that love again. I want to feel love without pain. Is that possible or do they have to come hand in hand? I'm in love with a woman who acts like she doesn't love me anymore and I'm looking for love. Found out that love is not between a woman's legs. I checked. I have to move on, but how? How do you move on from something that was supposed to last forever? How do I move on past forever? I wasn't prepared for this. I have to learn how to date again. I have to revamp what I wanted a woman because I had exactly what I wanted and that didn't work. Maybe it's me. Maybe I wasn't a good husband. That's my second biggest problem right now. My confidence is shattered. I did everything a woman could ask for, I think. I mean, I'm, I'm pretty sure. The only way to find out for sure is to get a second, a third, a 29th opinion from women. Get them to say, what the hell is wrong with your ex-wife? She must have been crazy to give up a man like you. Yep, that's what I need to hear. Confirmation. Vindication. I need that. I'm cooking. I'm taking care of these women. Being nice, being polite, being sweet. Treating them just like I treated my ex-wife. Surprising them with gifts. Rubbing feet. Sucking lips until hips jerk. Back massages. Wine and dine. All to hear my name. All to hear them say she made a mistake. All to hear them say they would never make the same mistake. Once they say that, I'm not interested anymore. I'm out. More hoeing to do. My chosen method of healing myself. After six months of heavy hoation, I start to develop some guilt. I've started to get over my pain. The hoeing is working. Only problem is that the pain I'm causing others is starting to become more recognizable to me. I can't be stone-faced anymore. I begin to recognize their disappointment in me as the same disappointment I had in Denise. Different places, different times, different people. Same face. Gas face. The I'ma do me, you do you face. For months, I was able to block out the looks on their faces and focus on giving them more of the face I wanted to give them. The I'ma do me, you do you face. Shit, I was all healed up inside so these women can heal too, right? I mean, I'm okay. It might have taken some time. A brother was a little angry for a while. But I am no better or stronger than they are. Besides, women are built for this. The more pain I caused someone else, the less I had in my heart. In essence, I was giving them my pain. I was getting back at all women, taking it out on the women I would meet. Some for you, some for you. Here's a little bit for you. I let them all have some. 
Right when they thought they had me, I would give them some pain, some disappointment, a little bit of frustration, some confusion. And of course, I'm going to do me. So you better do you, face. I wouldn't return their calls, disappear for days. Right when they thought we would take that next step, I would trip them, push them down, and beat my feet. Right when she was ready to profess her love, I had discovered that I didn't even like her. I didn't like any woman. Well, not like that. I just wasn't happy. Accepting unhappiness is a hard thing to swallow. I looked around. It was me. I had to take the blame. I was the reason I was unhappy. No, wait, was it Denise? That bitch made me unhappy. Then I asked myself, how long could I keep blaming someone else for my unhappiness? How do I gain happiness back? Where do I go? What do I do? How do I start down the path to happiness? Do I turn the hose? Must I take responsibility for my own unhappiness? The first thing I have to do is stop making other women unhappy. I need to be more careful with these women. They attach easily and I got Velcro open arms. How can I be pimping and at the same time I need a hug? I thought I was happy hoeing, but now I'm back where I started. I need love. I still love my ex-wife. I shouldn't be here. Not this city, not this state, not this place. We could be pregnant right now. I should be with my wife. We couldn't, I, I just can't believe we couldn't work it out. Did I leave too soon? Did I not try hard enough? Did I not have enough patience? Did I give up too soon? Was it my fault? Am I a punk? I can't stop asking myself if I made the right decision. Gave her everything I had in me. Gave her what I vowed to give her before God. Gave her everything that she asked for on our wedding day. Provided her with security, stability, and support. Displayed to her my love daily. Full commitment. Fulfilled her desires of sensitivity, affection, and intimacy communicated with her i was open and honest i trusted her never lied never cheated never broke a single promise i was down for my woman the true test of a man is his vulnerability my nose was wide open and in her booty loved her more than i loved myself i tried to understand her i tried i know i gave my best effort i know i did i gave all i could i ain't perfect though i did a lot of things wrong i'm not saying what i did wrong though she gonna have to write a book and tell you what i did wrong you can get that from me for right now just believe me when I say she did more wrong than I did. I hope to choose my next love and not have it choose me. I want to choose my love with my mind and not my heart. My heart lied to me last time. My heart then talked to my conscience and calmed me down. Let some things slide. My eyes saw signs. Hell, my mom and sister say they saw signs, but my heart said it was okay. My heart told me that she was the one. My heart was sure of it. Love is just so damn blinding and forgiving. Love will have you compromising, negotiating, accepting, and settling for less. Love got you staying when you know damn well you should be gone. Not a better feeling in the world than to be loved, though. Not a worse feeling in the world than to find out that love is not being returned. 90% of the time, people fall in love, and then they ask themselves six months later, is this the right person for me? Dumbass, you're already in love. It's too late to ask that question. Not like you're going to leave if the answer to your question is the wrong one. What don't you like about her? She ain't changing. Why change? She knows that she got you. That's why I'm having phone interviews, face-to-face -face interviews, questionnaires, background checks, everything on women that I date from this day forth. I think I'm ready for something steady. I think they call them girlfriends. Wait, wait, I, oh, I can't do the girlfriend thing. I'm tripping. Let me slow down. I'm still enjoying this whole aces. I have to be careful, though. It's been seven years since I actually, like, liked the woman besides Denise. 
I'm scared of being hurt again. How do you become unafraid? What exactly am I afraid of? What steps can I take to make sure that I don't end up on the same road again? So I'm interviewing this new chick, right? I ask, uh, so you got any kids? I have two little ones, a boy and a girl, seven and five. Uh-huh. Hmm. Do they have the same father? Oh, damn. Um, not your business, but yes. Are you seriously dating anyone? Not really. Uh, why not? And when was the last time you were in a serious relationship? It has been about four years since my divorce, and I haven't dated anyone seriously since then. The divorce was real hard on me. I called him cheating and immediately left. If I had to do it over again, I would have at least tried to work it out, you know? Oh, for real. Okay, um, what are you looking for in your next relationship? Mm, I want him to be God-fearing, compassionate, you know, sincerity, sensitivity, responsibility, I guess the same thing that every other woman is looking for to find in a man. Where do you see yourself 10 years from now? Hmm. Owning my own home, maybe single, maybe married, hopefully making a lot more money. I'm trying to figure out a new way to get back into school, too. Hmm, that's good. Okay. Um. So uh, uh, how about your parents? Are they, are they married or are they divorced? Damn. I mean, how many more questions you got? What is this, an interview? I really don't like to do interviews. Okay, um, uh, just three more questions. How about two? And my parents have been married for 32 years. 32 years is a long time, man. Um, uh, have you ever cheated in a relationship, or have you been the cause of a relationship ending? None of your business. Okay, uh, last question. Um, if we started to become serious, are you willing to sign a contract that states I could punch you in the mouth if you fuck up our relationship? <laughs> I mean, not a prenup, a contract. I don't care about money. I care about punishing my next wife if she doesn't live up to her contractual agreement. I mean, you see what happened was my last wife got off without even the smallest of an ass whooping. Uh, your ass is crazy. Oh, so you just gonna leave? Leave then. You couldn't handle no ass whooping if you messed up our relationship. I ain't even want you like that, girl. Fuck you. Like, she too good to answer a couple questions. You failed the interview anyway. You wasn't going to get the job. Shoot. Let's see, where was I? Oh, yeah. Um, This happens on four dates in a row. If I'm seriously dating you, this means I'm watching your whole crew. I'm watching how you roll. I'm watching who you with. Who you roll with is quite possibly who you are. I'm trying to meet your mama way, way, way before I get a ring. If mama is stank nasty, then it's quite possible that you are not so fresh either. 30 years from now, you're going to be a stank-ass mama too when you get her age. If you don't like questions, cool. You are apparently not ready for a serious relationship. If you are ready, then you're flipping the script and asking me the same type of question. Straight up, I got no good answers. You might need to tell me to get to stepping. Yeah, yeah, I think we should start out as friends too until I get to your crib. I truly understand why women say let's be friends first. It's too bad that's all they do is say it. When you become friends first, you build a mutual respect for each other. Respect gets the man thinking twice before he cheats on you. If you respect your woman, you're not going to be running around cheating on her unless you get mad at her. Respect is the fourth most important item in a marriage. Behind commitment, more important than love, but less important than communication and trust. People fall in and out of love, but if they respect you, then it's a little bit harder for them to disrespect you by cheating on you. If they are committed to you, then they are not leaving. Okay, so 
So I came up with these 10 ingredients for a successful relationship, right? Check it out. Yeah, wait, wait. I, I know what you're thinking. You're thinking, how can he give relationship advice when he hasn't had a successful relationship? And yet, here I am sharing 10 ingredients for a successful relationship. I can do this because while you haven't seen much success in my relationship journey at the moment in my life, I have had relationship success. I'll share that with you later. What's more important is that the success came from the experiences and lessons that I learned in the past. So I advise you to take heed of what I'm about to say. I am discussing these ingredients at this juncture because you may be in a place in your relationship where you are ready to receive these pointers. You may have gone through some of these things I've already discussed and are ready to up your game. This goes for men and women. Both genders get tired of the games. So here you go. Number one, evaluate your new friend. Tell them that they're being evaluated for your position as partner. Inform them that you would also like to be evaluated. I hate when women want me simply because I'm well endowed. These evaluations set the tone for the relationship. Your evaluation must take into consideration more than just sex. It must include character, values, morals, and goals. Number two, show interest, give attention, grow as friends, earn respect. The best lovers are best friends because they are concerned about the needs of the other partner instead of just getting theirs. Ask genuine questions about your partner's interests, activities, and concerns. And be prepared to listen to the answers instead of just brushing them off or waiting to talk. Number three, stop dating five people or, or try to have relationships with five people. How are you going to learn one person and you got relationships with five other people? You can't remember all that stuff. Number four, make your intentions clear. Confusion breeds frustration. Frustration breeds the cuss out during the game, which may lead to multiple stab wounds. Be a man. At least try to be a man or fake manliness. You done seen some man somewhere do what he did. Number five, you don't have to be celibate. Don't tell God I said that. I tried being celibate. We ended up not being affectionate and not liking each other. You don't have to have sex every day either, though. Have a good balance and make sure there's chemistry. Number six, if you don't like her mama, I say get out of there. I wish somebody would have told me that before I got married. If your family is cool, if her family is cool, you might have a winner. You might be surprised how important family is in a successful marriage. Number seven, do a complete cheese check. Pops got bread? How does her credit look? Get on the same page with your financial goals and dreams. Number eight, discuss career goals. Where do you want to live? Talk about having kids. When and where? Don't assume both of you want the same things out of life. Number nine, luck. Good luck with this marriage stuff. You're going to need it. Somebody in marriage needs to have good luck on their side. If one of you falling out of a building and the other got hit by a bus, I guarantee you that your marriage will not be successful. Number 10, put each other first. If each of you put each other first, then that's one way to ensure that each of you are meeting each other's needs. If you put your marriage second to anything, you'll end up losing. You'll have a big L on your forehead, maybe one on your back too. Divorce Not an Option podcast, Stephen James Dixon, Tamara Gillespie. Um, we'll be back next week, uh, closing out the podcast this week. Make sure you subscribe and follow on iTunes, Google Play, Spreaker Radio, SoundCloud, YouTube. Please share with a friend. Please do that for me. Share with a friend. Share with family members. Um, definitely keep looking for the podcast. Register for my mailing list also. If you go to stephenjamesdixon.com and register for the mailing list there. Thanks so much for listening and happy holidays.